Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. We're taking a little bit of a detour this week. I'm grateful that Matt can share with us today so that we can better understand the story that God's writing. He's going to use a story from the Old Testament. He's going to add a a personal aspect to it uh, and tying it into a friend that he and I have in common, a brother in the Lord who is toiling here in our presbytery, and yet I don't want to give too much away. So let's uh, welcome Matt. Hello, Linden Road. It's great to be with you today. Today I'm sitting in a park not too far from my house. I just thought it would be a great place um, to take in God's creation and also a great place to enjoy the scriptures. So today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is traveling from his home and God calls him to go to a new land to start a new journey. And the reason that I picked this place is because I used to come here with my children as they were younger. There's lots of playgrounds around, but there's also a mile long trail that I often watch people, or I did watch people walking. And today there are people walking and people who are running and they have a journey today. Each of them has their own story. They're each headed in a place, and um, part of their journey today is getting some exercise and enjoying some fresh air. Well, with that in mind, let's go ahead and look at Abraham's story, his journey from his homeland through the land of Canaan. This comes from Genesis 12, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed Haran. Abram took his wife Sarah and his brother's son Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, or to your seed, I will give this land. So Abram built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, Abram moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed. He journeyed on by stages towards the Negeb. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. 
that you always speak to your people. We thank you that you speak through your written word. We thank you that you speak through the movement of your spirit. But today we are reminded of the book of Hebrews, where your scriptures make it clear that while you spoke in ages past through your spirit and the prophets, that in this day you speak through the power of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Almighty God, we ask that you would speak through Christ today. Speak in a way that we can hear and understand. Speak in a way that blesses and builds up your church. Speak in a way that changes lives and transforms your holy community. In the name of Christ Jesus, we give thanks. Amen. As we think about Abraham's story, for me, I'm reminded of one of our pastors in Muskingum Valley Presbytery. His name is Rami, and Rami is about my age, in his mid-40s, and he was born in a faraway land, a land very near where Abraham was born and lived. And actually, Rami's story parallels that of Abraham's in terms of the journey that he took in many ways. So Rami was born in Baghdad. And being about my age, Rami experienced several wars as a kid. The first war that he endured was the war between Iraq and Iran. The war between the Sunni and the Shias. That leaves a mark on a child. Shortly thereafter, we had what we call the Gulf War, the first Gulf War. And then later there was the most recent war, the second Gulf War. With that in mind, as Rami lived with the backdrop of war in his life, during the most recent war, he and his mother and his brother fled from the country. And they headed west. They headed up north and west, and they found their way to a neighboring country called Jordan. In Jordan, they were refugees. They had left their home. They had left their home country. They had left family business, all those types of things. Bank accounts, all gone. It happens to be that here in Jordan, Rami did meet his wife. Her name is Rhea, and they have two beautiful little girls. But after Rami met Rhea, he eventually found himself in Cairo, which is the capital of Egypt. And in Cairo, there's this tiny little seminary that was founded and still is run by Presbyterians. In fact, it's a big part of the Presbyterian Mission Agency. And so Rami was trained to be a pastor in Egypt. After Rami finished his training, he wanted to go to where people were hurting the most at the time. And in that time, 
Syria was a war-torn country. And so Rami took a charge, he took a call to go to Syria. And Rami will tell you that Syria really is one of his favorite places in the world. He thinks it is absolutely beautiful. But there, being a refugee himself and knowing what that plight is like, Rami went ahead and he served people who had similar experiences to his own. Painful, bloody, heartache kind of experiences. Eventually Rami made his way to New York and we are so thankful that he is currently a pastor in our presbytery and serving in Millersburg, Ohio. But that journey that Rami took, the journey from Iraq to Jordan, down into Egypt, across what we call the Fertile Crescent, is the same path that Abraham would have taken. He moved north and west across the Fertile Crescent to Haran. And Haran, he had a call to keep going to what we know or what we refer to as the land of Canaan, which is modern day Israel. And of course, Abraham also has his experience in Egypt as well. Let's just focus back or turn back to Rami. Now I know this because I have spent time with Rami, I've traveled with Rami, I've ministered with Rami, and I've got to hear some of his stories. I know that there's two sides to his story, and of course there's all sorts of nuances in between. But on one hand, Rami experienced a lot of fright and fear and anger. And on the other hand, there were moments where Rami experienced great joy and hope. At times he would ask questions like, are we going to survive? Will we find food? Where will we sleep at night? At other moments, Rami wondered, I'm curious what opportunities lie ahead. And Rami even took the faithful step of asking the question, I wonder how God is calling me in these moments. Now Abraham certainly experienced the same type of feelings. How can I say this? Well, the answer is very simple. Abraham experienced these feelings because he's human. Any of us who would go through a journey like Rami or go through a journey like Abraham and his family would have moments of pain and despair, but also would have moments of hope and joy and looking towards the future. All of that brings us to a very specific question that we can wrestle with today. As Rami started a new chapter in his life, as Abraham started a new chapter in his life, we as humans naturally start new chapters. We have new experiences. And those experiences, we have emotions that are very similar to what Rami 
and Abraham and their families would have experienced. There would be moments of despair and questioning as we start new chapters, but also moments of hope and joy and opportunity. So the question that is before us is, what can we glean? What kind of wisdom can we take from Genesis chapter 12 that will help inspire us and comfort us and help us make faithful steps like Rami was faithful and like Abraham, who was also to start this, I just want to point out one simple observation. As Rami journeyed with his family and as Abraham journeyed with his family, there probably was a sense of mutual vulnerability. That they were in this together, that the, the pain and the comfort and the joy and the hope that one family member felt was experienced perhaps at the same time or perhaps at a slightly different time from other members of the family. Now why is that important? Because when we start our new chapters as individuals or as a community of faith, we share a vulnerability. There's a couple things to remember as we share vulnerability, and they're easily demonstrated. So some of you probably have served in the military, and if you haven't, probably, there's probably somebody who you know who has served in the military. I'm going to argue that serving in the military is a mutually vulnerable experience. Well. One of the results of being mutually vulnerable is a powerful trust between people who walk that journey together. And so if you think about our loved ones who have served in the military, or if you think about your own experience serving in the military, I can pretty much guarantee you that there is a strong connection of trust Sometimes this trust is referred to with a common phrase called the band of brothers. Brothers in arms. It's that mutual vulnerability that helps build that trust. And so as you start a new journey, whatever that journey might be, or as your church is starting a new chapter in its life, there's gonna be a sense of mutual vulnerability. And one of the benefits of this is trust. The second benefit of this is cooperation. Let me explain. It's real simple. Go ahead and think about a natural disaster. An earthquake, a flood, a hurricane, something along those lines. What happens in a community when a community experiences all that vulnerability together? Well, it's pretty simple. There is lots of cooperation. In fact, it's when we feel that we are not vulnerable that we are at the greatest risk of not cooperating with one another. 
Now, with that trust and with that cooperation that comes with some sense of vulnerability that we're in this together, there's a sense of comfort. There's a comfort in the community. And it's from that perspective that I want to remind you of how Abraham's story unfolds in the scriptures. There's really one big point of assurance in the scriptures here. I'm going to demonstrate that just by asking a few simple questions. What was Abraham asked to do? What was this big long list that God had assigned him to do? Well, the truth is it wasn't big and long. It was one simple thing. God said, go. Leave your home and go to the land that I will show you. One thing. Go. Now, in comparison, what did God do? What kind of promises were presented in the scriptures to Abraham? Well, there's several. God says, number one, I will make your name great. Number two, I will bless you. Number three, I will make you a great nation. Number four, I will bless those who bless you. Number five, I will curse those who curse you. And number six, I will give this land to you. What an amazing balance of God's blessing and care for Abraham. Abraham certainly started a journey. Certainly he went. Certainly it was challenging at times. But the call was simple and direct. And in comparison to that, God's blessings are absolutely amazing. And it's from this blessing that ultimately God called together the Hebrew children. God called the Jewish nation together, which gives us Jesus. Through God's blessing to Abraham, God promised that he would bless all nations. And it's pretty hard to argue that God hasn't blessed all nations with the Messiah, with Jesus, with the one who not only saves soul, but also saves the body. Hmm. So as we worship today, and as we think about God's blessings which are given in the scripture, I'm curious as an individual what your new chapter is. What is that going step that God is asking you to do? Is God inviting you into a new job? Perhaps God's inviting you into retirement? Is God inviting you to go and to be with your family in a new and profound way? Is God inviting you to care for the poor, for the orphan, for the widow? Now, one of the, the limitations of gathering digitally like this is we can't stop and have those conversations. Um, but I know that your pastor, with um, the technology that he uses, has an opportunity to engage with you. And so I would encourage you 
if you feel the peace of God, if you're experiencing the peace of Christ, just to go ahead and type. What is that going step that God is sending you into? And if you can name that going step, I want to remind you that that going step is one compared to God's many and great blessings. The other question, and just as important, is to stop and to name the going step of your congregation. God was with Rami as he left his home and as he went. God was with Abraham and his family as he journeyed across the Fertile Crescent and down into the land of Canaan. God will also be with your church, with your congregation as you go. The question is, what is that one simple going step? Perhaps I'm being a little bit presumptive, but as I get to work with a variety of churches and as I have gotten to know your congregation, and as I have watched the church adapt and change in this new world that we find ourselves in, I think what future generations will look back and say about the church today is that our going step is transitioning from an institutional-based church to a movement of Christ. Let me be a little bit more specific about that. All of us grew up in a church where we have had to constantly remind one another that the church isn't the building, <laughs> that the church is the people. The church is that community of faith. Well, for our entire lives, that community of faith has been housed in an institution. And that institution, while necessary, sometimes gets in the way of what God is doing. So as you look at your congregation, and as you examine your institution, as you wrestle with what you are supposed to do, I'm going to be as bold as to say that your going step is to focus on people. To focus on those who are around you. To spend time with those whom you don't know. To spend time with one another. To, to welcome new people into your community. And to do that in such a way that you aren't welcoming them into a building but into your vibrant community of faith who supports one another, who cares for one another, who loves one another, who serves those in need within the community and beyond the community. 
whatever your new chapter is personally. And as you walk together through a new chapter as a congregation, may you always remember that our one simple going step is nothing in comparison to God's great blessings. Hear these blessings again from God to Abraham and his family. I will make your name great. I will make you a great country. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will give you this land. This land will be for your offspring. May God bless you and may God keep you. Amen. I'm grateful for all that Matt brings, for his leadership and his heart and his passion for ministry. And we want to pray for he and his family as they continue to lead uh, churches just like ours. There's another 77 of us together in our presbytery. And this is a hard season. And so with that, let's uh, pray for Matt and our churches.